Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning, you're here with me, Danko, and your money taking you through your daily dose of market view. Now, Asia-Pacific stocks are trading lower this morning. Overnight on Wall Street, stocks tumbled as traders' fears around the contagion in regional banking sector returned, especially ahead of the Federal Reserve's rate decision. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, they closed off lower by 1.08% to end off at 33,684 points. The S&P 500, it slid about 1.16% to close off at 4 and the Nasdaq Composite dropped 1.08% to end off the session at 12,080 points. Now, the three major averages fell for a second consecutive session, and this is against the backdrop of, as mentioned earlier, the ongoing concerns of contagion in the regional banking sector, and that's weighing on markets following the First Republic Bank's collapse and the subsequent takeover by JP Morgan. So, we are also expecting the Federal Reserve's latest policy decision, with investors forecasting a roughly 85% chance for an interest rate hike later tomorrow. Now, joining us this morning to break down the latest market actions is Ryan Huang. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, Dan. I'm doing great. How about you? Not too bad myself, Ryan. A lot to break down today. Now, let's first turn our attention to one of the most notable movers overnight, which actually saw its stock suffering a historic plunge of 48%. And that's driven by comments in the company's earnings report about the risk of RTV artificial intelligence. And that's right, I'm talking about Czech's stock price. It's plunged 48% after the company said OpenAI's ChatGPT is threatening the growth of its homework help services. So help us understand how exactly is ChatGPT disrupting the San Diego-based company and any potential ways for the company to counter a slowdown? Yeah, like you pointed out, Czech is a company that does textbook rental for mm. college students and this has seen expand into homework, exam help. Before we get into that, have you used ChatGPT before? Yes, it's amazing. What do you like about it? That it uh, does my homework. Okay, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. So you use it for homework. Some yeah. people use it for Photoshop and you should really try it out because Photoshop is so easy now. You just have to type in please make me a picture of maybe Dan eating an apple. And as simple as that, you'll get a picture of Dan eating an apple. Oh wait, they go visual now. You can make it go visual. Ah. Uh, some of the software out there is able to integrate um, instructions right. through okay. a chatbot. Like, mm. um, give me a stock image of three people sitting at a table having lunch. You know, it will just generate something new for you. Wow. Or and just uh, give an existing picture change the scenery from night to day. And that's how easy it is, as simple mm. as that. So it is very disruptive as a um, potential tool. And like you pointed out, Czech is outlining of the potential disruption mm. for its coming quarters. So here you've got a reaction from investors selling off on Czech, roughly, I believe, about 8% in overnight action down after it said that ChatGPT is threatening the growth of its homework help services. But the catch here is you've got now the company backpedaling a bit, saying investors are overreacting. Um, it was only providing guidance for the coming quarter, not for the full year. Mm. And it's still too early to say how this will play out. And it also reminded investors that Check has free cash flow and earnings 
enough to pay off its debt. So on a fundamental basis, it is okay for now and they are trying to paint a more um, confident picture right now that they won't be that affected, maybe, you know, just trying to assure shareholders. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, you know, shares of Czech being crushed by ChatGPT, it actually marks the first time a company revealed that the chatbot was having a major impact on its growth. And we talked about this on our show before about the impact of ChatGPT and how it's going to be disrupting this entire space. Now, as all, and Wall Street, as always, was quick to reassess three other market victims on how the new technology would affect um, the markets and the global economy. So let's walk through the list. And the first one isn't too surprising. We've got Alphabet on the list. So share with us, how do you think Google will fare in the battle for market share with ChatGPT? And yeah. will that be enough? Um, Google, of course, is right up there when it comes to what's playing out in the AI space. They've got their own version called BARD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, Microsoft, its main rival, has a stake in OpenAI. And here's where it's got its Bing search engine yeah. as a potential beneficiary because once it integrates ChatGPT into Bing, you can imagine how it's going to take off. And of course, it's going to affect the Google search engine market share to some extent. So yeah. this is where you've got Alphabet possibly losing ground if you think about it, how ChatGPT is becoming more popular, more so than the BART version. So on that front, Google parent Alphabet is possibly going to be under pressure. Yeah. Have you used BART before, Ryan? Not yet. I've only seen some of the demos and looking at the demos, they have been okay. Mm. But I think you've got a lot of critics who are expecting more. Um, And I think they failed to impress because this is supposed to be Google's bread and butter Mm. uh, versus Microsoft, which is in other things, trying to go into search. So... On that front, uh, I think it, it has not been able to impress. Yeah, quite um, quite concerning as well because the Alphabet CEO, he has also stepped up to say that during Bart's launch, he said he feels that they souped up a Civic kind of put and kind of put it in a race with more powerful cars. So, yes, I think uh, Bart has a lot to work on here. Anyways, let's move on next on the list, which we are seeing might be heavily impacted by ChatGPT. And we have got... A, I believe this would be legal zoom, and this one's a bit surprising given how the legal industry seems to be under one of the biggest threat from ChatGPT and generative AI. Tell us more, Ryan. Yeah, I would say the legal industry, like many other industry, other industries, is going through some disruptions with AI, and I think, especially with all the contract work, all the paperwork everything to do with research, anything tedious, mm. you can just get a chatbot to do it for you. So write and assist with legal contracts, you know, interpret information, summarize it for you, a legal briefs, for example. So mm. ChatGPT has even passed the bar exam. So it wow. can theoretically become a lawyer if you can figure out how to <laughs> engineer it into a package that can fit into a courtroom and react real time. So this is something that I think a lot of people are looking at very closely. How do you get AI in the courtroom? And here, legal Zoom could see its lunch being eaten. Oh, no. Well, but from what I remember, I think they've struggled with our PSLE, right? <laughs> Here in Singapore. That's just because the PSLE is that hard. Okay. <laughs> Says a lot about uh, our education here. But anyways, last on the list, we've got Duolingo. And this is another education stock that's expected to get steamrolled by ChatGPT as well. Are we expecting a similar picture to what we've seen with Czech? 
Yeah, Duolingo is a language learning platform. If you think about it, maybe you would not need to use a language learning platform as much as you would have to if ChatGPT was not around, right? You just have mm. to turn to ChatGPT and, you know, hey, translate this for me and it can just spit out everything in a foreign language for you. It has even translated songs from wow. one language to another, including making it sound like a song. Like yeah. sometimes when you translate songs, it gets lost in translation because yeah. the words don't rhyme. Yeah. But in this case, it has managed to make it into a proper translation with rhyming words and everything. So, if you think about it, that is a potential area for mm. Duolingo to be worried about. Yeah, it's uh, funny times we live in. I think uh, it's moving very quickly that a lot of companies are still struggling to see how they can manage this disruption. But anyway, speaking of plunges, let's now turn our attention over to a $10 billion plunge in wealth. Who exactly am I talking about? Is corporate activist Carl Ikan. Now, why is, why is that? That's because he is next in line to be targeted by Hindenburg Research, and that's making it the latest in a string of recent high-profile targets of the U.S. short seller. So why are they? Why is he Hindenburg Research's next short target? Yeah, Carl Icahn is um, in the crosshairs, and this with accusations that his enterprises, and this is a huge enterprise, mm. uh, is over-leveraged, effectively running a Ponzi scheme. So oh. Hindenburg is questioning how the company values some of its investments. And the Icon Enterprise conglomerate has its fingers in many businesses like energy, automotive, food, and other sectors. So this is um, now putting pressure on his share prices of some of these companies. And like before, Hindenburg's short selling reports are just seeing investors sell first and ask questions later. Mm, yeah, and you know, this actually follows the backdrop of uh, Hindenburg's attacks on companies like Adani and Dorsey, which we've seen in recent months, and, and they caused their drops in their fortunes this year of about $58 billion and $500 million respectively. But you know, Icon has called the report self-serving and intended solely to generate profits on Hindenburg's short position. Do you agree, Ryan? He has a point because mm. a short seller's job is to make sure the price goes down yeah. and then they benefit from the price going down. Uh, but sometimes they do have an element of truth in it because they go through sometimes an investigative process before they can you know, confidently say, hey, this is going on. Otherwise, it affects their credibility. So this is where they have to look at a track record of Hindenburg Research and they have managed to get some of their calls right. Not all the time, but... They have been right in a couple of occasions. Yeah. And when you have such a track record, it really just brings the company into further scrutiny. And sometimes you get the truth being unveiled. For example, Enron was mm. an example of how uh, a short sale process unveiled many of these uh, shortcomings. So mm. they do have an important part to play in the market function. Yeah. I, th I think this, these companies are just, you know, they have to be a lot more careful I mean we have we've got companies like Hindenburg if you're not if you're hiding too much I think they're going to be going to be coming for your back as soon as they have seen you on their radar but anyways let's move on over to the EV space where we've got Tesla that's making headlines again this time not so good news for consumers as Tesla announced that it has hiked the price of several cars in key markets 
We're talking about US-China after a number of cuts. You know, Elon Musk's electric company increased the price of vehicles, including its Model 3 and Model Y in the US, China, Canada and Japan. And it actually comes after Elon Musk announced that the company would prioritize sales growth ahead of profit in a weak economy. But that appears to be a contradiction here, Ryan. So what's going on? Yeah, so as you pointed out, it's been cutting prices recently. Uh, in fact, it cut six times so far this year yeah. before this announcement. So growing market share was its priority. But it looks like it has started to feel that some markets are a bit stronger than others. And here you've got the US, China, Japan and Canada possibly being able to digest some of the price hikes he's put off. And we are talking about $300, for example, in some of these markets. Yeah. In China, it is seeing it up by around uh, $289. So it's roughly around that, $300 in terms of price hike. Not a big amount, but I think it's a, an important signal that maybe there could be more price hikes to come to unwind some of the um, price cuts before. So perhaps it's starting to feel some pressure on the margins and it has to, well turn things around and maybe also it feels that it has gotten enough growth. Right. But then this raises a question though, Ryan. To what extent do you think this would affect its competitiveness in the EV space, you know, where we're seeing a price war among EV makers? Yeah, price wars can only do so much. I think to some extent we've seen how in China, for example, some of the Chinese automakers have resisted cutting prices. Yeah. Uh, still, they remain popular and it is also the other parts of the EV equation, like the features that come with it, the charging stations, the infrastructure, mm. the software that comes with it, how, what they're offering on top of that. So besides the price, I think maybe EV makers are now starting to become more discerning yeah. and look at the whole package. And perhaps this is where Elon Musk is uh, recognizing that, hey, maybe um, he can afford to look elsewhere to uh, get more business. Right. Yes, EV space, it's uh, something we're going to be watching very closely at. But now we're going to play a game of up or down. And if you're regular, you would be familiar with this. I pick a stock or a topic and you'll guess whether it's going to be an up or a down. Ryan, are you ready? Let's go. All right, first on the list, we've got Ford. All right, Ford is an up, so it's beaten estimates in its first quarter profit and is sticking to its full year outlook. Hmm. All right, Ford is definitely going to be an up for me as well. Like what you've mentioned, first quarter profit beat estimates and posted a surprisingly strong gain on higher vehicle pricing and increased sales volumes. Next on the list, we've got US hotel operator Marriott. All right, this is going to be an up for me as well as it beats Wall Street estimates and this is being driven by a recovery in China. Yeah, you know, they have been grappling over the past year with uneven recovery, but now Chinese demand is back. So we're experiencing this return of uh, demand in stays in hotel. Anyways, let's turn, on let's turn our attention over to the next one. We've got AMD. Okay, this is going to be an up for me. Mm. And that's off the back of better than expected revenue and earnings for the first quarter. So uh, not too shabby, but it is going through a bit of a tough time with the wider PC slump. Yeah, this one, I'm going to go with a down because, uh, you know, it's, it's like what you've mentioned, the PC industry slump and its shipments dropping about 30% in the first quarter. So 
some concerning times for semiconductor space for now. So I'm going to go with it down. Let's move on over to coffee maker Starbucks. All right, Starbucks is enough for me. And this is boosted by better than expected sales in China as well as in other international markets. Mm. Starbucks, yes, this one's going to be an up for me. It looks like Chinese people love their coffee, don't they? Uh, perhaps so. Um, this is, um, I guess... A sign that you've got more people in China out and about more as well. Yeah. The reopening, people just going out more, drinking more coffee. So a sign of activity also taking up. Yes, coffee. Who doesn't love them, right? Anyways, let's move on to the next one. We've got Pfizer on the list. All right, Pfizer's an up for me as we see the company beat on the profit front on demand for new drugs as well as COVID products. Yeah, demand for a strong demand on its newly acquired drugs and steady demand for COVID nineteen products, sending its shares up nearly three percent before the bell. The company also says it expects you know this year to be a transition year for its COVID products, before potentially returning to growth in twenty twenty four. Some good news for Pfizer here. I'm gonna go with an up. All right, let's take it back home. We've got Capital and Ascenders Reed. Okay, I'm looking at. Capital and Ascenders REIT as an up. So it's posting mm. 11.1% positive rental reversion in Q1. So that is higher than the 8% in the previous quarter. Yeah, this is uh, some good news for Ascenders REIT. I'm going to go with an up as well. The renewals rates were actually the highest for the REIT's Australian assets, whose average rents increased about 14.3% in the quarter. Singapore positive, you know, Singapore assets also saw positive rental reversions of 11.2%. And while those in US came in at 11.3%. Some healthy numbers here. I'm going to go with an up for Sanders Reeds. Now, last on the list, we've got Singapore Savings Bonds. Okay, SSB is, well, looking at, I suppose, a down for me. Mm. So you've got the interest rates flat yeah so it flattens further so the june issuance is offering a first year interest rate of 2.81 percent average for the 10 years is 2.81 percent so i was hoping for it to go up so on that front i would say down yeah i was just reading the news yesterday and i saw this i was quite surprised i was hoping for at least a three percent which uh, you know is in comparison with may issuance you know from last uh was offering the first year interest rate of 3.03 percent and 10-year average of 3.07 percent so anyways uh looks like ssb is going to be a down from me Thank you so much for that great analysis as always, Ryan. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O, available on Google Play or the App Store.